And we're going to be in John 17, I think, four or five sermons, maybe six. I don't know. We'll see when we get there. But I tell you, uh, last week we started studying this beautiful prayer of Jesus. And we'll, like I said, we'll be here probably next week and the week after that. Because there's so much to understand here. And not only to understand, but apply it to our lives. He keeps repeating words over and over again. And depending on what's going on in your life at this particular moment, this prayer can mean different things to you than what it means to me. And that's the beauty of the, of the Word of God. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He teaches us as a group, but he also teaches us as individuals. And I really got stuck on this whole idea of glory this week again. The word is repeated over and over again. It starts out and says, after, this, uh, after Jesus said this, he looked full, uh, toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, the time has come. Now, this is very different than what Jesus, uh, uh, how Jesus has been talking and, and what he said up to this point. He hasn't talked to the Father like this before. This is a contrast. And earlier in the book of John, he actually says, my hour has not yet come. Um, and I don't know if you remember the very first miracle Jesus did in the Galilee region. He turned water into wine, right? We all know about the wedding and all of Jesus' friends were with him and they attended this wedding. And, and as the celebration continued, uh, the host ran out of wine unexpectedly. And this is a major faux pas, you know. Everyone's view on, on them would be different because this would have been considered a big scandal for them. It's insulting to not provide for your guests. So Jesus' mom comes to him, and, and uh, being who she is, she's taking care of everyone, looking around, see what's happening, realizes something is wrong, and goes to Jesus and says, fix this. I'm your mom. Do what I say. Fix this. And Jesus says, woman, and we look at that as negative, and it's not. It was an enduring term the way he used it. My hour has not yet come. Now, he still does the miracle, but he doesn't make a big deal out of him doing the miracle. Jesus tells his mom, I'm in charge, and there's a timing for all of this, and the hour is not yet come. It's not for you to decide that hour. Now, a little bit later in John 7 and, and John 9, Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he, he's saying and doing some very radical things, okay? People just don't understand. There's a woman who was caught in prostitution and other things going on, and, and Jesus is speaking to the people, and Jesus just doesn't pick up stones and stone her. He deals with her in a different way. In the middle of all of this, he starts to talk about who he is, and he is claiming some things that they don't want him to say. And, uh, you know, once they figure out what he's saying, they, they literally want to kill him. And it's so dangerous to talk to him. Uh, you know, the, it was so dangerous that Nicodemus actually came at nighttime to talk to him and not in the middle of the day. Nicodemus was one of the ones that was on the council. He was kind of a big wig, you know. Uh, this would be like Nancy Pelosi showing up to your house, okay. Uh, whether you like her or not, it would be a big deal, Right. Nicodemus showing up and coming to Jesus, he did it at night because he didn't want to make a big deal out of it. And there's a tension based on what he was saying. And what he's saying is he's claiming, uh, he's using words like I am. 
which is what God, you know, those words are used for God. And he was claiming to be the very, you know, the, the very existence of God on earth. He's claiming to be the God of the book of Isaiah, where he says, I am the Lord, I am Yahweh, that is my name. And I share my glory with no one. And Jesus comes along and says, that is me. And they wanted to stone him because they couldn't comprehend that. And the scriptures say that they picked up rocks to stone him. And John writes that they couldn't do it. They couldn't touch him. And we don't know what that means. We don't know if they were like, the rocks were so heavy in their hands they couldn't throw them. Or did Jesus just kind of disappear into the crowd like some Star Trek thing that we like to, you know, they just push a button, he just disappears, you know. We don't know. But it blew John away so much that 60 years later he wrote it down. Everyone was about to kill him at the first Passover. He basically says, I was there. And they couldn't touch him. And John doesn't tell us how they couldn't. He just tells us why. Because his hour had not yet come. That was it. And in John 13, Jesus talks and and says to the disciples, and John was right there. He was right in the room. And now he's an older man. And he writes where it says, it was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that his time had come. And here's the line in the sand. This is the divine timing for him. And when we're connected to the Father, and we start to see things a little differently, we start to understand the timing of our own lives, especially if we pay attention to the Holy Spirit. And when we sense a direction or a decision You know, sometimes it's not yet, nope, nope, not yet, now's not the time yet, and then we allow the Lord to align certain things into our life, and then we get the sense of, you know what, yeah, right now is the time. Jesus knew his hour had come. And think about all that Jesus knew when he says the time had come. Some of your Bibles would, would use the word time, and, and they're having dinner, and it's after dark. In the Middle East, they don't eat until nighttime, okay? When I went to Greece on a, on, a, on a trip, I mean, it was weird. Everything closed down during the day. There was like a four- to five-hour period during the day, and everybody took siesta, if you want to call, you know, use the, the Spanish word for it. But everybody took a nap. Everybody relaxed in the afternoon. And then they would come back out at night, and they would eat like at 9 or 10 o'clock at night. That's the time, okay? It's kind of a very Middle Eastern thing to do. So Jesus is having dinner, and by the next morning, Jesus was literally hanging on the cross. And all this stuff is going to happen during the night, and there is no sleep in there. And all kinds of stressful prayer and and loneliness and agony that he would go through, and the physical pain. And it would culminate on the Roman crucifixion on the cross, and he would hang there for six hours, and then he would die. That is the time to come. That's the time. That's right now. My hour is here. And Jesus knew it was coming. And what is he, what is he uh, you know, what does it say in John 13, 1? It says that when Jesus knew the hour had come, he panicked. When Jesus knew the hour had come, he started delegating. No, when he knew the hour had come, look at his actions. It'll blow you away. 
It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus knew, the fa- uh, knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. This is what Jesus does when he's on a deadline. This is how different Jesus is than me, right? If I knew my hour was coming up, I'd be doing a lot of different things, right? When we get on a deadline, we usually get what? Stressed out, frustrated, task mode, leave me alone mode. Come on, guys, load up the car. We got to go. Come on, get, stop, stop, get in the car. You hear the conversation I'm having, you know, at my house sometimes. No, 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 this is not a good time to bring up about a game you want on the iPad, okay? You know. And if I'm stressed, everybody is stressed. You know, the, the, you know, if mama's not happy, no one's happy, kind of the same thing, you know? But here's what Jesus does. On the night before the most stressful weekend he would ever face in his life, he wasted an hour washing guys' feet. I mean, we would look at this as procrastination, right? Have you ever done that? Started another project just so you didn't have to do another project? You know? Honey, why are you cleaning out the closet? Oh, I'm procrastinating. I have a bigger job I want to do, but I don't want to do it yet. This is God in action. And you know why? He was in charge of what was going on. He is just relaxed. Yes, it will get to him in the garden. He will be, you know, he will be stressed, but not, but not in the same way it would do to us. But it is great knowing that the God that I serve can relax like this because Jesus is in control. He is absolutely, absolutely and totally in charge. Therefore, the night before his crucifixion, he's teaching them. He is serving them. He is talking to them. He is loving them. And he tells them, guys, you need to start loving each other and stop arguing. It's terrible when Christians argue. It really is. It does a disservice to us, and it does a disservice to the, the, the churches you know, at large, and it does a disservice to the glory of God when we cannot stop arguing. Well, I'm right and they are wrong. And let me gossip to you about why I am right. Can you believe what they did? You know, well, I can't. And we don't do it just say it once. We say it over and over and over. And you know what we call that? We call that sin. That's what we call it. And we have to be careful on our gossiping. It's sinful to keep doing it. It's sinful to keep arguing each other. And don't believe me just because I'm saying that. Read the word of God. Ask the Holy Spirit. If you think you're right, take it to the Lord. Ask him what to do about it. You know what he'll tell you? First of all, stop gossiping about it. Secondly, go to the person you have an issue with. Thirdly, if it doesn't work out and you're biblically correct, you've gone to the Lord, he's confirmed it, the Bible confirms it, 
Then you get a group of mature individuals, brothers and sisters in Christ, and you go and you talk with the person. That's how it should be done. But what happens is we usually don't look at it biblically. It's about our opinion and our opinion only, and we can find all the friends that can agree with us, and if they agree, then of course we're correct, right? Maybe that's just me. I don't know. And we never take it to the Lord. And when we do take it to the Lord, he will usually do one of two things. One, he'll provide you with an opportunity to talk to the person. Or two, he will tell us to knock it off and stop arguing, just as he did with the disciples the night before his crucifixion. Now back to John. Jesus is calming them down on this very night. And in John 17, he says, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. And we studied last week what the word glorify means. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. And you might remember the, the word is dox, uh, doxazo, and it, it means several different things. It means, you know, to give something honor, that honor is due. It means to, uh, you know, to, it's the po positive part of glorifying a person to take them, to be positive about them. Uh, this can be very healthy for us to do. It's not for ego, it's not for flattery, but to glorify God. Jesus is saying, I desire here. And this is a great way to pray. Just say what you desire out loud. Because God will either confirm that, or he will say, why are you thinking about that when you're talking to me? Because that's about your glory, not about my glory. It may even change what you desire when you go to the Lord. Tell him what you're uh, thinking, and he may go, you know what? Let me change that thinking in your mind. And that's a good thing, because sometimes when we say it out loud, it may change things. And he's a good father. He won't give us everything we pray for, right? I mean, it's, you know, we're coming up in the Christmas season. Think about your kids. Do you give them everything, or did you, when they were little, give them everything their heart, little heart desired? No. And that's a healthy thing, right? Because if we gave them everything, well, that's a whole nother thing, you know. But we're supposed to pray about everything. We're supposed to tell the Father what we really want, right? And then he changes our desires. Father, I desire that you would glorify me to them. That's what we should say. Glorify me so I can glorify you to them. He hung out with them for three and a half years, and, and, and they won't get it until later. So how do we apply this to our life right now? Well, I would say, ask the Lord to be glorified through his Holy Spirit in your life. Ask the Lord. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, whether you're young in the faith or older in the faith. Because there was always lessons that the Lord wants to teach us, and there are ways that God wants to be glorified in our own lives. And we have to. We need to. We need to be willing to allow it to happen. Because if we're not willing, then we just stay stuck in the same place for a long time. So if you feel stuck in your faith, you need to pray to the Lord. Not, don't just mope along. Pray that he will be glorified you know, he, he would glorify himself to you, and therefore you can glorify him to others. This is a huge word, glory. We only get a glimpse of it. 
In fact, in Hebrews, it says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. That is Jesus Christ. That's hard to get our minds wrapped around. That's the same God who became flesh. And we get to magnify that God to this world. Do you remember when Mary was pregnant? She went and hung out with her aunt, right? She lived in a very small village in Nazareth and a teenager, unwed and pregnant. Not a good combination, right? Because people start gossiping, right? Now, her situation is a little different. God had chose her. The baby inside of her was God's baby. So it's a totally different situation. But still, you can understand. She's three months pregnant. She visits, you know, Elizabeth in the Judean hills north of Jerusalem. And, and Jesus, I mean, I mean, and John the Baptist is in Elizabeth because Elizabeth in her older age is now pregnant. And Jesus is with Mary. And they begin to worship God in a way they, they hadn't experienced before. And Mary says this beautiful, poetic thing. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary had to be under a lot of stress. And she gets out of town, literally takes Jesus with her, and she gets to her auntie's house, and she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Now, this time, it's not the word doxazo. It's huge luna. And I want to use the word mega, but that has a whole different connotation nowadays, right? You know, with all the, you know... Politics, but it means huge Luna. My soul puts a huge light on the Lord. My soul sheds huge light on the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This teenage girl is just trying to survive God's will working through her, and she doesn't know exactly how it's going to work out. She's just trying to survive. You know, some of us may feel like, that today we are just trying to survive we're just trying to make it yet god is doing something we just can't see it and yet if we trust that god is in control we understand that he's in control see i have a warning for you when you really commit yourself to christ and really turn your life over to him and say lord I really want your will for me. Almost everything that he will do through you will cause stress. But I thought accepting God, it would just change everything. Well, it does change everything. Where you end up is a much better place than the other place, right? You go to heaven instead of hell. It changes everything for your life. And he gives you the tools and the Holy Spirit to help you along. But being a Christian causes stress in this world. And as soon as you get over the, I thought this would be stress-free, you know, you know, as soon as you get over that, Jesus is right there. And you start to see that the stress has a purpose. And Jesus is right there to, to help you get through it. 
It doesn't mean it disappears. He just helps you walk through it. It's the Old Testament you know, verse uh, that David wrote. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say go around it. It doesn't say I went over it. It doesn't say I ran. It just said I walked through the valley of, of the shadow of death. That is a stressful time. It's a process. But the Holy Spirit is right there with them. And in verse 8 in Luke 2, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flock at night. You're going to hear this probably in a few weeks when it comes to Christmas, right? And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I will bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of, uh, town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the heaven, uh, highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And if you go down to verse 20, it says, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which, they were, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it came time to circumcise a child, he was named Jesus. The name, of the, uh, the, na- the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the laws of Moses, Jer- uh, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male must be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves and two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was with him. Now he was just a guy. He just happened to be a, one of the, a part of the royal priesthood. He was not a bigwig official, just a guy who loved the Lord. Verse 26, it says, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do to him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in the arms and praised God, saying. Now think about this for a second. I'm sure there was some conversation in here that's not written down because I don't know. You have a teenage mom who eight days ago gave birth and you have Joseph. They're in a busy place. They're in Jerusalem. I mean, the, you know, small streets, uh, they're in the temples, they're the temple, uh, you know, court here and they're not locals. And a guy who do, they do not know walks by and says, give him to me. Come on, just give me your baby. Now, how many moms would do that? We'd be like, jo- Joseph, Joseph, you know, we'd be running away, right? But, but I'm sure there was some more conversation because, you know, <clears throat> or the Holy Spirit just said, yeah, this is what it's for. Joseph, you know, points to the baby and then points up to heaven. And he goes on in verse 29 and says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. 
a light for revelation to, Genesis, uh, to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Later on in John 1.14, John would say, We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, whom came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, wouldn't it be great if we really started to understand the glory of God more? The workings of that. Wouldn't it be great if we started showing off the glory to this world? Wouldn't it be great if we started recognizing God's glory that is in us because of the Holy Spirit? He's already here, and we can. All we need to do is ask the Lord to allow the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and open our hearts and open our minds more, that we would see the world as God sees them, that we would see people as God sees them. Because as I see them, it's screwed up, right? But as God sees them, he loves them. We need to, to, to take charge of who we are going to be as a Christian. And that involves making choices today. Does what I'm doing glorify God? Or does this go against the glory of God? Not do I like it or dislike it. And what am I doing? Is it glorifying God? Does it totally go against what God stands for? If the answer is yes, then don't do it. It's like the old grandma. You shouldn't be doing this. But don't look at it like that. You should be looking at it like, does it glorify God? Does it represent what I truly believe? Ask Jesus to start revealing God's glory to you and through you. See, then we would have something to compare our lives to, which is Jesus. Would this glorify God? Yes? Then jump right in. No? Then remove yourself. See, it's really about God's glory, and that's it. I hope you think so, too. But that's truly what our lives should be about. Do we represent God in this, or do we not? And if we represent God, we're walking a good path. If we're representing something else, then we're not walking on the path that we should be on. Now, this is hard to do, isn't it? Any new Christian or, or somebody who's been a Christian for a long time would say this is definitely hard to do. That's why we have to keep reminding ourselves of God's glory to get us back to the right path. And on our own, we cannot stay on the good path. We'll stray off onto, the, uh, onto a negative path, right? Because we have human nature in us. But we also have the Holy Spirit in us when we become a Christian. And that Holy Spirit directs us back to God when we allow him to do it. And that is what the glory of God is all about. Amen? Well, why don't you stand? We're going to pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal God's glory in us. And the worship team will finish this up with one last song. And we're going to go over it and enjoy a meal together and be thankful, right? Okay. Let's pray. Lord, your, your glory is something to behold and something that we don't understand. We ask that the Holy Spirit would enliven us, would awaken within us, that your glory would be revealed not only to us, but to this world. That our friends and our family would notice something different. Give us the strength through your Holy Spirit to, to follow the righteous path. 
and be of the things that glorify you and not the things that glorify this world. Gently rebuke us, Lord, when we do the wrong thing, when we go down the wrong path. Gently bring us back into the fold, Lord. But Lord, allow your glory to be exemplified into this world, to be magnified, that it would change the hearts and the minds of those around us. Now, Lord, we thank you for a beautiful meal that we're going to have, and we pray that you bless our time and that your glory would come out of this. Lord, bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you, and may you reflect his glory this week. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.